Hello. You are listening to WHUP LP Hillsboro. My name is Gilbert Neal, and this is my radio show, D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. We lost a giant of the music industry <clears throat> just recently, just this week, uh, Kenny Rogers. Now, I was thinking, Kenny Rogers had a sort of a parallel career to a couple of people you probably not wouldn't think of as having a parallel career with Kenny Rogers. And um, one of them is Ronnie James Dio, who, like Kenny Rogers, had three different careers, basically. And Scott Walker, who I like a lot, I love, he also had... Um, God. Oh, oh, I get vaults. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. Also had three careers, basically. I am messing this up. I'm sorry. Things things are falling down. Things are falling apart. I should have just done this. <clears throat> I should... Yeah, okay. Here we go. So... What I mean by saying that is that Ronnie James Dio had three careers. One, he was a um, he was a crooner, sort of sang that Moon and June stuff. Something's wrong with his board. I don't know what it is, but something's not working right. Hang on. Let's try it. Whoa, here we go. Here, this is much better. I don't know what's wrong with microphone one. Microphone checker, one, 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 one. But microphone two works a lot better. So, he started off as a crooner, sort of a, like Kenny Rogers had his first single when he was, when, when it, in, in, in 1957, kind of around the same time that Ronnie James Dio got started, and kind of the same time that Scott Walker got started, around the same time. And all doing the same thing, which is just singing sort of um, Moon and June stuff, things that everybody was doing, trying to find a formula that would, that would work, that would propel them to stardom, and it failed for all three of them. So later on, Kenny Rogers joined a band, like Scott Walker joined a band, like Ronnie James Dio joined a band. And Ronnie James Dio joined, well, he, he was in a few bands, but he was in, most notably in Elf. And Scott Walker was, of course, in the Walker Brothers. And Kenny Rogers was in the first edition. And they were together for about 10 years with Kenny Rogers. And they had a couple of hits. Um, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. And um, <clears throat> I think, uh, let's see, what was the, the other one? Um, Ruby. Um something's burning sort of not not big huge hits but you know bubbling under and some of them top 10 some of them top 20 not bad not bad stuff but then 
they all chose different careers later on. Ronnie James Dio, of course, invented this, this thing where you hook the horns up and stuff. I think he invented it. I don't know. And um, Scott Walker became a um, sort of a, you throw, you'd write a bunch of lyrics and you'd cut them all up and you'd throw them in the air and then you'd glue them back together and that was your song. And um, punching meat and things like that. And a rabid, but small, but rabid um, fan base for um, Scott Walker. I, I had a few of his records and I loved, loved Scott Walker. Had a very powerful, potent influence on David Bowie, especially towards the end. Kenny Rogers decided that when he went solo, he would he would just stop doing all the psychedelic stuff. He would stop doing this 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 group dynamic and thing. And he decided he was just gonna do middle of the road as 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 pop, sweet pop as you could possibly do. And he was the king. He was the king. He was huge. Did you ever see the Office, the mute, the 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 TV show, the American one, The Office. So when Jim is having his apartment warming party and uh, Michael shows up and starts singing "Islands in the Stream," that's Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And he had so many big hits, "Lady" and uh, "Coward of the County" and um, <clears throat> "The Gambler." And he was in some TV shows. Um, based on some of his songs and everybody liked him couldn't say a bad thing about Kenny Rogers and he just kept churning out the hits duets with um, Kim Carnes and um, Dolly Parton and uh, of course Islands in the Stream was written by uh, Barry Gibb of the Beach Bo of the Bee Gees excuse me and um, that was when they decided that they weren't going to be I digress I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry no, no. So I'm going to be playing you some Kenny Rogers that you've never heard before. Um, and I'm going to play you one thing that I, I guarantee you have not, never heard before. If the two of you listening have ever listened to the radio before. So I'm going to combine that with um, another curio that I discovered. Um, Hanna-Barbera. Like, um, kind of like Playboy in the 70s. Hanna-Barbera and Hanna-Barbera in the 60s had a record company. They were not just doing um, uh, Snagglepuss and uh, did they do Snagglepuss? Mm. Um, but in the uh, 70s they were the kings of uh, of Saturday morning television because you couldn't go anywhere else. You couldn't um, turn on HBO for Saturday morning TV. Couldn't turn on Nickelodeon. Couldn't turn on uh, anything except for um, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And um, Hanna-Barbera were the people who brought you um, Tom and Jerry before that, before television. These were movie shorts that they would show after movies, after feature films and um, and then they became known for things like Harlem Globetrotters boobity, 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 Josie and the Pussycats um, 
Funky Phantom, Chan Clan, Flintstones Comedy Hour, um, Super Friends, which I liked, Shape Of, that was them. That was Hanna-Barbera. Shape of a bucket of water. Jabberjaw, CB Bears, the new Schmoo, the Super Globetrotters, the world's greatest super friends. Not sure how you quantify that, but when you're a kid in the 70s like me, you didn't, you didn't ask questions. You just sit there and you'd watch. It was great. It was like Sid and Marty Croft, but animated and cookie cookie cutter animation. Just the same same frames showing over and over and over again. But we loved it. Um, so I'm going to play you some songs from the Hanna-Barbera attempts to release real rock music. From starting in 65, I think it ended in uh, 67, 68. But some pretty neat stuff. And um, there are a couple of uh, celebrities, people that you know now, or you should know, that made those records. And um, some connections to other things, other um, other artists and other acts. So, get ready for a wild ride on D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. Here we go with this thing.
gave us fire You could hear the miners sing When they made the hammers ring You could hear them singing Oh, when they found Calico silver Listen to the big wheels churn They were turned by calico silver That we earned Days were short and the laughter was long
mind. Well, as uh, as benign as that set might have sounded, it's uh, replete, festooned with rock and roll history. And I will tell you about it now because I'm... I don't have many friends, and I have nothing to do on a Saturday night. So, started off that set with uh, something that appeared on the Hanna-Barbera rock label, which would be HBR. It was The label was called HBR. <clears throat> and the song was called Up the Road, which sounded very much like um, the song Junko Partner, which The Clash covered um, later on. On um, on uh, one of their records later on. Up the road, Junko partner, something, something, something. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. All right. So um, then after that, the Bompers with Do the Bomp. The Bompers were not a real band. They were just a um, bunch of guys getting together uh don and warren massey and um putting out a record on the um on the uh hbr label but that song was co-written by roger christian why i have a lot of his records i mean his writing records and a lady named carol connors who is carol connors well she had a lot of uh she 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 wrote a lot of a lot of um surf songs she was uh in um she was in some surf movies um she was in the movie catalina caper if you like the um mystery science theater 3000 catalina caper she sang a song in that movie she was in the teddy bears with uh phil Spector. And they had a number one hit with To Know Him Is To Love Him. So she sang in that group. But she also wrote two songs that you know. The first one is the Rocky theme, Gonna Fly Now. She wrote that. Well, co-wrote it with Bacanti. And also the song Born Again, as in... Girl, you never with you, I'm born again. She co-wrote that song. Can you believe it? And here she is in the uh, writing songs for the Bompers. After that, the Creations 4 with Dance in the Sand, which sounds a lot like Dancing in the Street. Contemporary hit from 1965. Um, it, was, it was featured in an episode of The Flintstones. You kids, you just don't know how good you have it, I tell you. Um... Um, that song featured a um, Hanna-Barbera um, mainstay, Danny Hutton, who went on later on to be in Three Dog Night. Uh, after that, Gene King with Watermelon Man, talking about how round his his watermelons are. I don't know what that means, but um, that was a record that featured Jan and Dean in the background. You, you remember, if you do, uh, it gave... It was a live performance, basically, and Jan and Dean were there offering their support. Hmm. After that first edition, Kenny Rogers Group, 
and a song called Calico Silver from a double concept album called The Ballad of Calico. So Kenny Rogers was in first edition and they put out a double uh, concept album in 1972 that nobody talks about and almost gets no airplay anywhere. And nobody's going to talk about this week when they talk about Kenny Rogers. Well, they probably shouldn't, but it's something that he did. Um, And after that, uh, Elvira, the... um, uh, who was it? The Stanler Brothers did uh, had a hit with Elvira, a big hit in like 1979, but it was recorded in 1970 by Kenny Rogers Group, and you can you can tell it's him singing um, off the album "Something's Burning" from 1970. My name is Gilbert Neal. This is D Sides, Orphans, and Oddities on WHUPFM.org. Or if you're driving around Hillsboro looking for something to do, stop your car, stop driving, and listen to 104.7, because that's me. More Kenny Rogers and more Hanna-Barbera coming up in a I want to have some fun tonight. I never have a happy day. I never get to feel right. Please, will you help me find the way? Let's do the sign of the cross. It'll make you feel real boss. Which any reflection Or maybe you'll get an erection Doing the sign of the cross If you're depressed and full of strife If you are sick of living life If you are sad and full of woe I have the key to fun Behold, let's do the sign of the cross It'll make us feel real boss Which any reflection Doing the sign of the cross All of the kids whack around Everyone rocks around the town All of the kids are getting down Even the adults are fooling around They do the sign of the cross It makes them feel real boss Get up, get down, get dancing Do the sign of the cross Do a genuflection Maybe you will get a huge erection Get up, get down, get dancing Do the sign of the cross Oh, 
Just a little bit, little little strange time signatures in the middle there. Um, started that set with um, a song called "Sign of the Cross" by a band known as Scayfish, um, whose first album was very very good. Um, and if you ever saw the movie "Erg: A Music War." you could see the live version of that song, which is in some ways so much better than the studio version. And it's nice to see people on stage um, playing it. And the band that played it live um, was actually very, very good. Um and I don't think that the audience really knew what they were looking at. So that was the first time. That, so this is the um, studio version, which I had never heard until this year when uh, he came out. Uh, uh, Jim Scafish. Jim Scafish. 
a relentless self-promoter um, came out with um, a box set of uh, rarities and that was on it and I sure like that song I like a lot of their early songs just um, something about them just didn't 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 click but I like I like them after that uh, tell it all brother uh, by the first ed- Kenny Rogers in the first edition from 1970 uh, after that a uh, very rare um, version of Steely Dan's Dirty Work by Kenny Rogers in the first first edition from uh, 1974. Off the album, I'm Not Making Music for Money, uh, which was released in 1974 and only issued in New Zealand. And uh, if you go on the YouTubes, you can find um, uh, uh, sort of a travelogue live show um, thing that they did in New Zealand around that time, maybe a little bit before. And there's a uh, there's some some good stuff on that. And then finally, Lena Lucky from the 1973 album Monumental, written by Kenny Rogers. He um, he wrote that. Kind of neat. I think it was neat. Um, so. I am allowed to play four songs by one artist on a show. And I know probably the FCC every Saturday just sends somebody to Hillsborough, North Carolina, stands there or sits there in a street corner or something with a pad and a pen and makes sure that I don't play um, too much Alex Harvey band. So, um, Hopefully I don't go over that because there's first edition and then there's Kenny Rogers in the first edition and then there's Kenny Rogers. Um, Yeah, I deleted something I played, which was one of Kenny Rogers um, singles from 1957. Um, I can't remember the name of it wasn't that good but it was indicative of his style and 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 talks about and and informs the the thing that i said about him and ronnie james dio and and scott english or um um scott walker you know was uh his uh stage name after a while anyway my name is gilbert neal this is d sides orphans and oddities i hope you're enjoying tonight's show festooned with rock and roll history and we are mourning but we are also celebrating the life the early rock and roll life of kenny rogers um here's more of that thing that i said i was going to do and um oh 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 wait 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 i put this in the i put this in the show at the last minute listen to this this is awesome I was talking about Orion a few weeks ago and uh, maybe a month ago I did a whole show or two months ago I did a whole show about Orion who is this guy who wore a mask and wouldn't tell you, well, wouldn't say to the press if he was Elvis or not Elvis. And he released some records and stuff and then he did a record with, with Jerry Lee Lewis called Duets. I 
would be handy if I had it right here, but I don't. I have it at home. So he did, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis did an album in like 60 or 61, and it didn't get released, um, or it got released and nobody nobody bought it, because it was like, that was after he married his cousin stuff. So in 1978, or 1977, 78 after Elvis died, they put this album out of Jerry Lee Lewis stuff with this guy, Orion, singing over it to give you the maybe the impression that Elvis was still alive and doing duets with Jerry Lee Lewis back then. So as to make it a create a collector's item or a, a rarity in rock and roll history that nobody knew that, he, that Orion or Elvis recorded with Jerry Lee Lewis, but it was just this guy, Orion. So anyway, another thing he did, this Orion guy, he recorded over... This song I'm about to play you, which is a song everybody knows, everybody knows Matchbox by Carl Perkins, went on to get covered by the Beatles. But this is the original version of Matchbox by Carl Perkins, and there's something that happens in the middle where you can hear the lead guitar in the background, but it's not lead, it's some other guy singing over it. It's Orion singing over Carl Perkins' Matchbox, as if this is a real duet that really happened. And that, that begins this, this little set. I'm so excited. Here, see what you think. Because, um, I don't know. Well, I'm sitting here wondering, matchbox over my clothes. Yeah, I'm sitting here wondering, matchbox over my clothes. I ain't got no matches, but I got a long way to go. Baby, I'm sitting here with a matchbox on my 
nice kid like you Doing in a place like this What's a nice kid like you Doing in a place like this With those saddle shoes Well, I must confess You look as though you fell into the wrong address What's a nice kid like you I doing in a place like this Why's a nice kid like you Solo and so far from home How'd a nice kid like you I get in and I head to Rome With those baby blues and that mellow smile The minute you walked in I said she's got style Why's a nice kid like you Solo and so far from home Wow, rock and roll sure was weird back then. It's weird now, but it was weird, even more weird back then. So you are listening to WHUPLP Hillsboro. My name is Gilbert Neal, and this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. I want to entertain you more than usual, hopefully, because we can't go to restaurants and we can't go to um, movies and things, and all we can do is do what, what they used to do with FDR and just sit in front of the old Victrola and listen to what the nice man is saying on the radio. That's me. The nice man talking on the radio. So we started that set with Matchbox by Carl Perkins and Orion. I'm laughing. I laugh every time I hear one of his records just because it's just so audacious. Just who is who thought they could make money doing this? Who thought they could fool people? And and maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah. After that, a group called Murray's Monkeys. Again, not really a band, but they were on the HBR label. With Gypsy, with an I, by the way. Sometimes it's acceptable, I guess, to spell it that way. I don't know. Um, that was by Mitch Murray with his group, The Monkees. And um, after that, Scatman Crothers, who we all know from um, the new Alice in Wonderland, an animated special from 1966 featuring Sammy Davis Jr. um, who could not be secured for the soundtrack LP. So they got Scatman Crothers to do it as the Cheshire Cat. Um, 
So that's what that is. And it was also released on the Hanna-Barbera label, the HBR label. Isn't that fun? Now you can tell your friends. Now when you have, see, if you have friends, you know, nearby who invite you to parties and things, you know, you can tell them, hey, by the way, the other day I heard that Scatman Crothers sang a song that Sammy Davis sang in the, um, <laughs> I'm so lonely. Big city blues bowing up my mind I'm with a big city mama drinking cheap table wine Jet planes are flying round inside my head Now I'm wishing to God was in the country instead Teachers in a classroom stealing a nip The leather jacket flashed all the way on a trip Being walks the square deck Oh, why 
and she'll take you so that you'll never come down. Boom it through. 
we've been married going on five years and my love for you grows stronger every day funny no one thought this love of ours would last but we knew this love of ours was here to stay without your love I know that I'd be nothing and without you Don't worry, Mr. Jordan. I'll be over right away. My wife won't mind if I work late tonight. Honey, do you really love me? Yes, Mr. Jordan. I just can't stand being away from you for so long. Well, just ease your mind, Mr. Jordan. I'll be right over. I don't need to tell you, you know I hate to go. It seems I always leave you all alone. It's all right. I'm sure he really needs you. So I think you'd better go. I'll just fall asleep and dream till you come home. Goodbye, sweetheart. So long, honey. Hello. Hi, sweetheart. Guess what? My husband's finally gone. <laughs> and I can't wait till I'm in your arms tonight. Without your love, I know that I'd be nothing. And without you, I know I'd surely Twist there, the 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 twist there in the plot, where um, the guy is pretending that um, he's on the phone with his boss, but he's really on the phone with his mistress, and then he leaves to go with his mistress, pretending he's going to work, but then as soon as he leaves, the wife calls up her lover. Oh, oh, that's bad. I've lost faith. Well, I've gained it back again. Anyway, started that set with Simon Stokes. Kind of a 
kind of a rough quant, rough rough quantity there. Is that what they call it? Rough, kind of rough trade there. Um, on the Hanna Barbera label, the HBR label, um, and uh, he would later record it, re-record that song with his band from 1966. Uh, then. Uh, the first edition with Marsha 2AM and the Riot Squad with I Take It That We're Through. Um, if you're wondering why those weird noises were happening during the song, either one of you, that was because Joe Meek took part in this recording and um, infused his own, well, thing that he does. After that, the W.C. Fields Memorial Electric String Band with Hippie Elevator Operator. <sighs> so then after that, what I think, what I would gamble you have never heard before was a version of Take Me to the River from 1980 by a woman named Thelma Camacho. Who is Thelma Camacho? Well, she was the first female singer in the first edition and she uh after um the band broke up she recorded a solo album in 1980 and that um tepid jazz was uh it, throughout the record um it, it's just awful stuff but um she doesn't have a she didn't have a bad voice but she really did remove all of the soul from a pretty good song um and after that what you just heard was without your love Parentheses, Mr. Jordan by Charlie Ross from 1976. My name is Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. I'm tired of talking and I'm tired of listening. So here is some, um, here are some covers of uh, Neil Young compositions. Is my world Child. Sometimes 
Simon? I did that. You'll be brushing out a broodmare's tail While the sun is ascending And I'll just be getting home with my real trail Just no comprehending Just how close to the bone and the skin And the eyes and the lips you can get And still feel so alone And still feel related Like stations in some relay You're not a, a hit and run driver, no, no
WHUP FM 104.7 worldwide WHUP FM dot org my name is Gilbert Neal this is D-Sides Orphans and Oddities I have my good friend Tara Romano with me today talking about misogyny and music in the 60s and 70s there was more of it in the 60s but 70s uh, brought about the disco era and Tara go oh well you know, we did play that song, uh, More Than Women, by the Bee Gees. Now, I love that song, and I yeah, enjoyed I do the too. Bee Gees. Um, I do think, you know, there was definitely a lot of backlash to disco, and I do think there is some of that had to do with, you know, rock and roll up until that point, rock music. I mean, you had, you know, women singing, but that was sort of pop, and, like, rock music was still considered music made by men for men. And, um, and women were just there, empty vessels to, you know, like, do nothing more than listen to the music, scream at the Beatles, that kind of stuff. Right, the Supremes were the biggest mm-hmm. female act at that point. It's but, um... <clears throat> three girls standing up in uniform, dancing the same... And I enjoyed the Supremes, definitely, very much. Um, but I just sort of, like, the... Some of... Like, disco was... There was a lot of um, women who were singing disco. There were also a lot of um, people in the LGBT community mm-hmm. who were... Uh, being a disco as well and so i think and there also it was you know, a lot of people of color and so i think that there was this backlash from like really because you would hear about like the stories about um these djs they would host you know you come out and these from these rock studio rock radio stations come out and smash disco records and that kind of stuff and you, when you would see video from that time it is young white men who are all out there destroying disco records like you know and sort of almost like taking the stand like this is our domain and how dare disco which is made by you know a lot of people of color and women and people in the lgbt community like how dare they come and try and move in on our our um our arena we decide what we are the gatekeepers of music and mm-hmm. we don't like this music we probably don't like it because maybe who was making it but we don't like it and so we're going to have this very extreme reaction because really it's just it was just music that you didn't like whoop de do you mm-hmm. know there was no reason to like host I mean, well, how is that different from people who were mad at the Beatles for what they had said about being more popular than Jesus Christ and who've seen, you know, things where they would um, burn the records and that kind of stuff? It was the same thing. Like, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. You'll live. Right. So, uh, In Cleveland, you know, the Cleveland um, <clears throat> Indians had that uh, record burning, the disco record burning, which... If you look at the tapes now, it looks sort of like fascism. It looks <laughs> like the beginnings of a fascist movement. And uh, you're right about you know young you know white males in the business you know running, and it it comes around. You know mm-hmm. now we're experiencing something that's very familiar, very very mm-hmm. similar to that, mm-hmm. um, in a different realm. But again, mm-hmm. um, I won't go into the cognitive dissonance that I feel is present in this country. Mm-hmm because there's a black president and because there very likely will be a woman president next, like it or not. So there's a lot of discomfort and I think it's manifesting itself in these fascist gatherings and things like that. 
But what you say about, uh, you know, LGBT is very apt because, you know, the B- the Bee Gees had, had two careers before that. Right. One is they were very similar. They were like Beatles clones sort of mm-hmm. um, bridging on psychedelic stuff, very close to the kink sort of. And then after that, there was another early 70s revival with um, Run To Me and some mm-hmm. of those great singles and things like that. And then disco comes along. They were not necessarily known as a sexual group. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very well asexual. Mm-hmm. They dressed like women with long hair and beards, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love. I, I'm a, as a musician. I listen to the craft of the thing, mm-hmm. and I love it. I think it's just amazing. I could listen to that song over and over again, um, and that album over and over again. But what you say is true. Um, uh, and it's a, and it's also a little frightening. We heard, um, we just heard "Coyote" by Joni Mitchell. Uh, I'm not sure why I throw that in there, except for the fact that it's about a one night stand. It's empowering, and Joni Mitchell was never somebody who was, never seemed like Carol King. She never seemed weak or, uh, how you say, uh, um, she would never seem to acquiesce to that sort of thing. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't well, know. Well, I, the only thing, and I do not know much about Joni Mitchell's personal relationships, but um, I do want to sort of. Makes say that people understand that it's not really a failing on you if you're in an re- abusive relationship. Like it's not because you're weak or um, or there's something that you're doing wrong. Like it just happens right. to be the situation that they're in. There's so many reasons that can keep somebody in an abusive situation. So I don't want like because you actually because then it also can act work against like somebody will say, well, I can't believe you in an abusive relationship because you just seem like such a strong woman. Like that's, that really has nothing to do with anything. And uh-huh. um, it's the person who is being abusive chooses to do this. And then there's ways that, you know, there people who um, are abusive, like they're manipulative. They don't just punch somebody and then think, oh, I'm so lucky this person stayed with me. Like they do a lot of things to keep that person with them. Mm. Um, there's a lot that's going on. So it's not necessarily that Carol King was weak um and she wanted to when she was writing about it in her memoir she wanted to make sure that people did understand like that's she felt it hard to write about but she wanted it to be out there to be so people understand like they could see you know somebody's been in this relationship they got out of it like they she wants to have that example up there but you don't want to put it out there that it's a failing on the part of the person who's being abused because it's not Mm. um did i do that well, I, no, it was just not very much. Did I much. do that? All you did was when you said like Joni Mitchell seems like she's really strong and you know not weak like Carol King, and so you know I just wanted to. Well, that's that. I don't think people would. I I I, I wouldn't know if Carol King was weak or not. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that that Joni Mitchell seems not to be um, in her art, just mm-hmm. in her craft, doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be singing about those things or you know, whatever. Well, she definitely. I think you know Carol King came up at a time in the fifties when really that's what you wrote songs about, which was love, teenage love, especially teenage love. You know, like that's what you were writing songs about. Mm-hmm. Whereas Joni Mitchell came at a time when you really could be exploring a lot more themes in your music. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear her stuff uh, in when she was a teenager in Canada? Did you ever see anything like that? Um, I don't think so. If you look up on the, the YouTube, you'll see that uh, when she was in her late teens. She, you know, she was Canadian. Mm-hmm. She would sing on these traditional Canadian hayride shows, and it was very strange. It was jarring <laughs> to see her. You know, knowing well, she had what, to start somewhere. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> true in in Canada. Before that, I played a couple of songs by one of my favorite groups, ELO. We talked about ELO last week. Evil Woman. Uh, I stopped playing it in the middle because I figure you can hear Evil Woman anywhere you want to. So you probably can hear it 
and, and any number of stations on the way home. But before that, Shine a Little Love, which was on their um, Disco Very album from 1979. And the verse, the couplet, well, the, the, the little poem that I thought was interesting was, do you understand? Well, it's, it, it's, um, it's been a year now, and it's getting so much better. You came home without a word, which I, I don't know what that means, but it seems to me that it's, it's like, I'm glad you're shutting up because I'm tired of hearing your complaints. But um, before that, more than a woman by the Bee Gees. I want to thank you, Tara, for coming. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, anytime you want to come back, maybe we can put together a different uh, set of songs. We could talk about that. Thank you. I will read some stuff. You'll read some stuff. But it has been a stone groove. Thank you so much for coming by. Um, Tara Romano, uh, militant feminist. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> thank that you appropriate. for Okay. Thank you for coming by. Uh, this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. And I'll play you out with some stuff that I had programmed for next week, but it's um, um, there's always more of this craziness that I could uh, program for you. So, have a good evening.
7 FM WHUPL